All right, so we're recording. Uh, I'm Amy Vertries, um, one of the general surgeons, or one of the surgeons, I should say, the common thread here, um, and welcome to group coaching. So I wanted to um, finish up this uh, conversation we had about this this book, Life is in the Transitions. This was really um, really helpful book um, to kind of talk about transitions. And, and I think the reason why it kind of resonates so much for me is they mentioned that, um, you know, with these life transitions, I think they, I forgot exactly how many said like 30 or 40 or something like that in a lifetime. Um, and these, li these life disruptors, I should say, uh, these life disruptors will kind of stack among themselves and turn into occasional life quakes. And we'll have like three or four of these in a lifetime. These are like these, you know, really change your life kind of thing. And uh, so, and they tend to last four or five years, um, which means you basically have like one of these life disruptors every 12 to 18 months, you know, lasting for, you know, period of potentially years, which means that we're almost always in some sort of life disrupting and not just us, but, you know, considering that other people are also dealing with life disrupting um, things too. So we're, you know, we're in our own turmoil, we're dealing with other people in their own turmoil. Um, so I think it was really helpful to first recognize what the problem is um, and then he, you know, started talking about some solutions for it too. So I think that when um, I talked about this before, um, I mentioned about the reason that he wrote this book, which he interviewed hundreds of people, you know, um, about their different uh, life stories and came up with the, all these common things. That's where the 52 types of life disruptors that he came up with were um, about the number of life quakes and things like that. Um, and he mentioned that uh, that we we're all kind of searching for meaning in life. And there's three main um, acts of meaning. Um, there's these acts of agency where we feel like we're in control of our life. We are, you know, achieving. And, and if you're to create a shape of your life, it's more of like a linear um, or oscillating or something like that is what we have to do with our ourself. Um, the next is acts of belonging. And this is where we you know, search other people, um, you know, the, our relationships with other people, how we interact with other people, things like that. Um, and the shape of that life is more of like a circle of inclusion, uh, inclusion. Then there's acts of cause. And these are acts uh, that we do that are beyond ourselves. These are, you know, things like religion and supporting organizations um, and really uh, reaching out to others. And the shape of that is more like a star reaching out to other things. Um, so that's a little bit about the meaning of life. Um, and when he talked about, he kind of shifted to say like, you know, when, when our lives are a little out of balance, when we're too into ourselves, too into agency, or we're too into giving, you know, to other people about belonging, um, you know, they, we could shape shift, meaning that these shapes of our lives of either linear or circle or star, um, when our life is a little bit out of balance that we can kind of shift to one of these other um, aspects um, of it. And that is uh, one aspect that can help um, when you start recognizing like, why is my life doing this? Or, or how can I change the trajectory of my life if I'm unhappy? Um, but then he went along to say that there is these steps towards managing a life transition. Um, and he said that it's really important um, to, uh, to really address these uh, these transitions because they last, you know, average of four or five years. He said they always last longer than we think that they do. Our, our life transitions, then it's important for us to be able to to manage those because if we're kind of just saying, well, I'm just going to sit this out and I'm not going to really do too much in this transition um, and just kind of like I don't know, um, sort of give up in that time frame. We're giving up a lot of our life um, if these are taking years to do that. 
So the several steps that he had, I thought were really helpful. Um, the first is to accept it. So you're in this transition, life is changing, um, you know, learning to um, accept it, identifying first that this is happening. You know, most people resist um, these life transitions and we have this idea, my life is gonna go this way and um, it's not going this way and I'm just gonna resist and I'm gonna ignore that it's happening. I'm gonna ignore that life is changing. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to resist it. Um, and of course, that's, you know, you're not making any progress in resisting it. The other aspect is that um, you mentioned our bodies log these changes, you know, so even though we're resisting it, no, 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 I'm perfectly fine in this miserable environment I'm in. <laughs> you know, it, it takes it on our body, you know, we, we buffer, we overeat, we overdrink, things like that. So our body understands it before our minds do. Um, and uh, it's also, you know, when it comes coming to accept it is accepting the, the emotions that we have in these transitions, fear being one of these things. Now, fear doesn't have to be terrible. You know, fear is, is just feedback. Fear is, I don't understand what's going on. You know, maybe this is pause and, and thinking I should, why am I feeling fear? Where, what am I afraid of? Um, and it's speaking it out loud um, that helps a lot. And I thought that his quote here was really helpful. Fear is innate but fearlessness can be learned, meaning that we can accept that fear happens, but we don't necessarily have to be um, crippled by it. And so uh, those are the things that he talked about with um, accepting it, which I thought was helpful. So he said, you know, step forward, verbalize your vulnerability, even go public with them, um, and then move on from that. Because when we move from shame to sadness to fear, um, when we overcome this resistance, um, when we embrace like what's going on here, um, that is the, the, allows us to move on from there too, because we're accepting that it's going to change. Um, the next part that, um, the next tool that he had was um, market. Um, and he talked about ritualizing things. And um, a ritual is, is something that you sort of acknowledge that there is a change going on. And, and he mentioned there's, you know, many different ways we do this. You know, we've talked about like, you know, burning the old boyfriend's letters, <laughs> tattoos, um, he described them things like four broad categories of ritual, personal, like getting a tattoo, building an altar, something collective, like throwing a party or hosting a ceremony, um, a name change, you know, of course, um, you know, adding or subtracting uh, a last name if you're married, um, adopting a religious name or a title, and then cleansing, which is, you know, going on a diet or, you know, shaving a beard, you know, some sort of uh, a change. And so the uh, aspect of rituals that are helpful is it provides us with some sort of control over the environment because there's, you know, with, with these transitions, there's like lack, loss of control. Like we're, what are we doing with all this? And rituals kind of like, I am, you know, taking control of this situation, um, which I thought was pretty helpful. Um, let's see. And, and he also kind of mentioned uh, how our body still, um, uh, even if we don't acknowledge it, our body still recognizes that these things are going on. Um, and he talks about like, especially when we're in mourning, um, in mourning, it becomes an act of connecting and extension, an act of rebuilding. And so uh, by marking it, you're sort of like marking where your, your next step is going to go, kind of drawing the line in the sand of where you're going next. Um, so the next tool, so we went from accepting it to marking it to now shedding it. Um, shedding is interesting because 
shedding is like getting rid of lots of things. You know, it could be our mindset. It could be like if you have a loss of a high income job, it could be um, shedding our ideas of what money means, you know, the importance of, you know, like if we put too much importance on money, then a loss of a high income job can be devastating for us. But if we recognize that maybe that uh, there's a little bit more meaning to a job than money, then we can potentially open ourselves up to accept something that's more in line of what our values are, where we want our life to go, rather than what we initially thought was a sign of success. Um, so I thought the, the shedding was helpful. So shedding mindset, shedding um, identities. Um, and I think this is especially true when we move from one um, to another, especially in surgery too. The one mistake that I see people making is when you're an in, you know, you go from medical student to intern, you're still acting like the medical student, or you turn from an intern to resident, you're still acting like the intern. The resident, instead of like starting to manage the team a little bit more, is still trying to gather just the information. Um, so shedding different identities is helpful. Um, and let's see, that was the main thing I wanted to say about that. Well, and they also, you mentioned shedding things, some aspects of our lifestyle, um, some of our beliefs, and some of our attitudes. Um, again, you know, uh, money was probably one thing that stood out to me. The next tool is about creating. So by creating something, um, like when we're in a period of transition, um, there tends to be a sense of isolation um, and loneliness. And that is when creativity thrives. And so creativity can take the form of writing in a journal, um, drawing, uh, creating things. And, and I thought it was really interesting. Sometimes we revert back to things like when we were a kid, like I used to crochet when I was a kid. And so sometimes when I find myself in a struggle, I'm like, let's just find something to do, you know? Um, and so creativity thrives in isolation and disconnection. It thrives on these um, limited times and it, um, it thrives on chaos. And so it's a way of trying to collect um, or to, to create something, create something out of when you feel like a little bit of loss too. It helps you kind of to build something. Um, let's see that, um, reigniting childhood passions, I think is what you're saying. Okay. The, the next tool that he mentioned was sharing it. Um, and I know that Brene Brown, we talked about this a lot about how shame doesn't survive the light of day. And so once we share what our struggles are, not only does it help us release this, we've acknowledged it, we've marked it. You know, we've, we've started to deal with it. Now we're sharing it with others. Um, and when we do this, a lot of times it's sort of you jump and the net appears. So uh, it's, it's just sort of like taking a leap out there, putting yourself out there, which could be a little intimidating, but that's when help shows up. And it's interesting how he talked about a story of a guy who said that, you know, I needed help in this. And I finally kind of started speaking up. And that's when someone came into my life that helped me in this transition um, and probably would not have if he had not kind of put that out in the world. Um, the, uh, they mentioned that when we do this, some the people that do show up, um, to help us out are of four types, which is interesting. There was the comforters. So someone who comes along and says, I understand you're going through this, you know, I feel for you. Um, there's the nudgers of like, I feel for you, but maybe you should do something about it. <laughs> there's the slappers are like, oh, for goodness sake, just get over it and move on, you know? And, um, then there's the, the modelers, the, the, um, and I actually forgot what he said about modelers. Um, let's see. The uh, But the one thing, uh, another one they said, which is actually very interesting, was the naysayer. Like, oh, you think you're going to do something new, huh? Are you sure about that? I don't know if you could do that. 
Um, and it was interesting because he said, sometimes the naysayers, the ones that propel us the most, um, that challenge us the most, um, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Um, so I think, uh, and he, he mentioned a lot in this book, a lot of references to Viktor Frankl's um, Man's Search for Meaning. And if, if you're not familiar with this, uh, Viktor Frankl um, survived the concentration camps and of all of all persons who who would like what's it search for the meaning for life he, he certainly is a great resource for that um and there was a quote that he said uh, the point at which he was in the concentration camp and everyone was dying around him he realized no one can take away your choice to have hope so even in the 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 darkest times of us being able to share our struggles um no one can take our sense of hope away no one can take um how we feel about this event from us we create it and we get to keep it, no one could take anything away from it. So I thought that was pretty powerful. Um, they also interesting, you know, when they mentioned share, share it is the power of weak ties. Um, and it's interesting because I kind of had an idea of our Facebook group about how our, um, these are kind of weak ties. We don't know each other necessarily in real life, but it makes it a little bit easier in some ways, but also you start to see some of the commonality of these things too. So I thought that was um, a really uh, helpful way to, you know, kind of point out to, to how this is helpful for us as well. Um, the last one is, or this last one, the um, next to last one is launch it. Um, and that's when you're like, okay, well, I'm, now I'm ready to re-engage in the world. I'm ready to, um, you know, move on from this uh, transition. And, uh, and this is where like a lot of our bravery comes in. You know, we have to, to, um, sometimes just act first, we may not know. And this is again, that the jump and the net will appear. So we act first, then we let our emotions follow. And we all know from the, um, this, um, the thought model we talk about that emotions drive all of our actions and then our results. And sometimes it's just the simplest of gestures that kickstart all of this, that, that small little glimmer of hope in yourself, that thought of like, hmm, I think there's something more and let's, and I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to accept any outcome. And I think I'm just going to go do it. Um, let's see. And uh, this was, this is also helpful too, that the soul moves on. So, you know, just like our body kind of registers the change, our soul had already moves on. We're ready for something else. And the ego has to learn to follow. I thought that was very helpful because, you know, a lot of times these, you know, it, when we're in a transition, you know, we're way ahead of ourselves consciously or unconsciously we're ahead of our conscious aspect of it too. You know, our body, body's registering change, our, our mind, our soul is, a, is on the way to improving. And we sometimes just have to catch up and then deal with, with all these changes. And the last is tell it. Um, and this, this concept was something that uh, Brene Brown brought up as well, is that when we start telling our story, you know, if we own our story, I own what I've done, I, I own, you know, uh, my life as a whole, then we can start writing the ending, we, we can start directing, we can start directing how we act, how we feel, we want, what we want to get out of the situation. And so it's really just recognizing that um, what we're doing is trying to make all of these things that we're doing meaningful, we are creating our own life history, our own story. Um, and that is really where we um, identify the, the um, meaning of our life. And he gives, gives some tips for this too. So he said, um, there's uh, three ways when you tell your story that can 
people convert their meaning um, or their whatever they do into meaningful moments. And he said the three things that kind of create um, a time gap, and that's putting a little bit of distance in the, from the past to the present, saying that, you know, I, I used to do this or this is how I did it before, but this is how I've changed. So you give yourself a little bit of distance, a little bit of um, ability to look back and see what you do. And then also to, to have a positive language about this. You know, before I struggled with alcohol and now um, I use that to improve my life and now I'm helping other people. You know, so you put some distance from the past, making it positive. And the last one is nail the ending. And, you know, I, I'm just using again this, I'm not, <laughs> I've never really actually had a problem with alcohol, I'm just making this up. But, you know, where I had a problem with alcohol before and um, I use that as a way to transform and improve other people's lives. And now, you know, this is how I'm going to make meaning of my life, which is to nail the ending, which is meaning that I'm going to make sure that my life was not um, for naught. Anyway, I really talked longer than I um, intended to in that, but I really thought that that was an extremely helpful um, uh, acknowledgement that change happens, but also some skills that I think that a lot of us have probably lived through some of these things, but it helps to verbalize it and really, you know, recognize how we move through one thing to the next. Uh, let's see. All right, I'm, I'm making up names and I'm, I'm really lacking uh, originality. So I'm changing your all's uh, name. So if you do wanna speak up, again, we wanna make sure to maintain everyone's privacy here. Um, okay. Well, these are really terrible. I really need to think about these uh, names ahead of time. <laughs> All right, so um, I've done a lot of talking. I'm really interested to um, to hear from one of you. Is anyone interested in coaching? Anyone have a problem that they are uh, struggling with or any aspect or anything they're doing well that they wanna you know, uh, really kind of uh, think about? I think that if you put this into the chat. Sorry. If you have kids and you tell them, I really cannot be disturbed for an hour, you make um, your attention much more interesting. <laughs> All right. Now, if you're having difficulty speaking up or whatever, you can uh, put it in the chat bar if you like. As we're waiting for someone to speak up, um, I'll point out uh, something about a, a post I think that that would resonate with a lot of people, uh, just because it's just so easy for it to do. Um, I posted my experience on Friday of where, you know, I just got back from vacation, I knew I had a really busy, busy OR day. And there, I had six cases, um, three of them, which were pretty substantially in size. Uh, my office manager asked why I hated myself. Um, anyway, I, I kind of had a, the vibe that I would be fine and then I would you know, do it efficiently. And I was just willing to accept whatever outcome because it was worth it to go on vacation. Um, and so I went in, I was prepared. I had everything ready, I communicated well with the team. I was very lucky in turnovers and I asked for flip rooms. Um, and things like that. So really felt like I prepared a lot ahead of time and things did move quickly. Um, and I was pleased, I had uh, two students with me. 
um, great interactions, you know, had a lot of help and have some frustration because, because I'm open to students, I do get a lot of new folks um, in the room. So uh, it just, it's a little bit more of a challenge. You have to be a little bit more prepared to make sure that you set them up for success too. Um, and, um, but at the end of the day, you know, so interesting. I, I was really pleased. I, I um, was encouraged by how the day went. And, but the, the scrub tech who, who's someone I've worked with before um, and tends to work with one of the um, other surgeons in our, um, one of our competing groups who's um, a much different personality. Uh, but you, you can kind of tell like with the eye rolls and the this and that, and you know, um, I'd seen it before, so it didn't really weigh on me too much, just kind of ignored it because things were going well. But at the end of the day, um, the, uh, they had asked who wanted to go home and you know, immediately spoke about I me, mean, me, I, oh, it's been a day, you know, and it just kind of like these little comments that were really um, wearing on my nerves. Uh, and it's interesting because that's all, at, uh, eventually like it kind of takes over your brain and it gets in the back of your mind and it continues to kind of like, well, shouldn't you have said something? Are you really going to put up with that? You know, I mean, you had a great day, like, but you know, so there's like the, the indignant part. And then there's the, well, I don't know. I thought it was a good day. Maybe it wasn't a good day. You know, I know that they work for the other person, you know, was there something that I did wrong? I mean, like, I'm, I'm thinking I'm feeling pretty good about myself. So, but, but are they, you know, should I be taking that as a sign? Maybe I'm not. Um, it's so interesting how that, that doubt um, and indignation and all that other stuff just sort of like, um, creeps up. And so I put my own model on there too. And it was a really um, good example for me of how we rob the joy and achievement out of our lives. We do this like effortlessly. You know, we allow um, little small events to say, ah, oh, look at you. You think you're, you're all that? Well, you know, look at all this evidence that you're not. Um, and the, the uh, irony is that we ignore all the evidence to the contrary, you know, the time frame, the other people seeming like they were in, engaged and moving along and really supporting and, um, you know, things like that. Um, the fact that we didn't have the, the circulator running around for a bunch of stuff because we, you know, kind of prepared ahead of things like that, too. But um, it was just really interesting. I should have ended the day probably, you know, tired, of course, but, you know, with a sense of accomplishment, I didn't, you know, I was just, I was like, sort of like, well, maybe I should just request them not in my room. Maybe I should, maybe I should go talk to them. You know, am I going to put up with that? You know, all these like really weird things running in the background, which was completely not productive. Um, and, uh, and I posted just because like, dang, that was easy how it snuck in there. Uh, but really what, what all those things do, like, that's where it's helpful to really pause with the thought models. Um, and I posted um, a worksheet on there to help. Um, and even if you feel like you kind of, oh, I got it, I'll just do it in my head. It's kind of like doing your math homework in your head. You could probably come up with the right answer, but some of the subtleties are in the little things. You know, am I really articulating the nuances of the emotion that I'm feeling? You know, I mean, I know when I first started this, I could usually come up with, um, I'm angry, I'm annoyed, you know, things like that. I can usually come up with those things. Um, but, you know, the little things like uh, the in indignation was one thing I came up with the other day. And the other, um, other things that come up are, um, you know, the frustration, the insecurity, um, the, yeah, I don't know, like the, the little, the smaller um, emotions and all too, really taking your time to go through those models is where you're going to um, 
really come up with some of the, the big solutions um, to your life. And you can honestly start with anything. I think I've talked before about how I got coached on how I have difficulty eating candy <laughs> in the afternoon. And it's interesting because that model led me to my frustration that the people in the clinic weren't helping me enough. <laughs> so, I mean, you can literally start from anywhere. Um, all right. I'm gonna change your name back. Okay, now, we don't, you know, don't, it doesn't have to be like a big, um, a big coaching thing here too. It could be, um, I'm renaming you here. It could be like a little thing. Does anyone want to like run through a model? Yes. I think Stardust mentioned, you know, um, we've talked before about how our emotions get the best of us um, during surgical training. And I think a lot of us lack the vocabulary to identify our feelings. And I think, you know, it's not just the vocabulary first, it's just the shutdown emotions all together. And that was another thing that really stuck out to me in this book is where they said that, you know, we can say that we are like, I'm not driven by my emotions. You know, I'm not this emotional female, you know, one thing that is really put down that way, but other thoughts were, it's like, you know, it's, it's not supported, it's not encouraged, it's discouraged. And so not only um, do we not, you know, do we ignore it, um, we don't come up with the subtleties, the nuances that would really allow us the freedom um, to progress. Uh, and I think that's the real uh, downside. And, and we're all seeing this, you know, I see this in posts, I see this in coaching, I see this in other groups, is that we can ignore it all we want. We can ignore it, but the body registers it. You know, we register it in the fatigue and our unwillingness to, um, to you know, show up for ourselves, um, the unforgiving nature that we have for us because we talk to ourselves in terrible ways. You know, so not only is it not acknowledging the emotions that we have, it's not acknowledging the thoughts that we have in our head and how they're not driving us to succeed because they're leading us towards emotions that are really challenging, that are not helping us out. Um, and so this, this is when we really um, also say, or also uh, support why thought models are helpful. It's like when you really articulate that thought that you're having about yourself, you're like, dang, why am I so hard on myself? I would never talk to someone about this. Um, let's see. Okay, so we have, um, okay, I think I'm pretty sure we've got a volunteer here, but let's see. Now, there may be difficult. If you want, we can we can try this as a chat thing. So it sounds like you have a um, managing a baby, try to get out the door for a walk. If you want, we could try this as a chat here. So Snowstorm is saying, I want to start a podcast and social media accounts for patient education for my niche, but I have imposter syndrome and worry people will say, um, and worry people will say, who does she think she is to do this? I did complete a top fellowship in the area. All right, so this is a good one. All right, so let's think about, uh, let's just think of uh, uh, several, there's several thoughts that are coming up here. And so I think that the one um, that seems to be troubling you the most is, you know, who does she think she is to do this? Um, the, and I think that we can probably start with the circumstance is, is something that you're actually telling you in your head. So this is a circumstance. We all agree that you have this idea that um, a podcast um, for, or a social media accounts for patient education. So I, I consider this a C is, you know, idea for a podcast. And your thought is, let's see, 
Who does she think she is? So when you're in this, um, when you're brainstorming and you're sitting down and you're thinking of these ideas, um, when you tell yourself, who does she think she is? What does that do for you? How does that make you feel? Yeah. So Shane, now, Tell me more um, about this. How does how does shame show up for you? Yeah, anxiety. Mm -hmm. So, in action. Yeah. So that's definitely that's definitely an action. So, avoidance. Yes. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you're sitting down and you're coming up with this um, idea of helping your patients out um, by providing this online thing, um, when you sit down and you have an action and avoidance, whatever, what is the result of this? Yeah, nope, no podcast. Didn't take a genius to figure this one out, but but there's a lot more subtleties to this too. Um, and see, yeah, so there's um, no podcast. No education. And let's explore this a little bit more. Imagine, I actually have very similar things um, to you as well, uh, because we see this with our patients all the time. We know that we can help them when we give them feedback and information because our visits are short, our life and everything is much more complicated. And so we think these ideas, I bet if I provide this education for them, that this will help the patient. Is that kind of the things that you're thinking of as well? What, let's think about some of the things that, that we would want to get out of this. Like what would be the goal um, of the podcast? Imagine like your best case scenario, what would be the end result that you would want to get from this podcast? A fun side hobby, easier to counsel patients, right? Um, better reputation. Excellent. And so if this is, if you go in there and think like, this is my fun side hobby, you know, this is going to make me easier. This is gonna make it easier to counsel patients. Um, this will make me an expert in my field. Um, are those some of the thoughts that you want to cultivate? And what is getting in the way of you um, thinking those thoughts of 
um, you know, wanting to kind of establish myself as an expert in the field. And so I think this is really, this is our unintentional model. This is the one that you're starting to recognize through um, the, the work that you're doing. This model, which is leading you to not getting your goals. And I imagine that the problem with this unintentional one is that you have clinic often. And so every time you see a patient and say, you know, this would be really helpful if I had this podcast and they would learn a lot. And so that kind of, doesn't that just pile on to your shame? Yes, prior rejection or undermined by colleagues, right. And <laughs> diaper changing too. Um, hey, that's appropriate. It's a big pile of crap. <laughs> Um, so really, you know, but that's actually true. Um, and this is where the, the model comes in. I mean, these, a lot of things are very logical, but there's a lot of nuances here um, that are um, holding you back because, you know, it really does focus on that. Who does she think she is to do this? And the problem is, is that you do sometimes get evidence of this um, where, you know, uh, a colleague will say, you know, they want to establish themselves as the expert in the field. And so one way to make them higher than you is to put you down. Um, as an, an intern, I uh, created a handbook of summary of stuff too. I thought it'd be helpful to have all the phone numbers, you know, very quick workup things. Um, spent a lot of time with it and created this handbook. And I actually, it was not told directly by this, but my chief resident was told by one of the other chief residents um, that they needed to get me in line because who did I think I was to tell him how to run his team? Uh, so I know, right? It is common. Um, and so, but the thing is, is that what do we do with that information? Because that turns into your C. You know, your C is someone else's um, opinion. And, you know, it's what we do with it that is gonna turn um, us either successful or not successful. So like you can take this um, a thought model of anything that comes up. This colleague says, you know, maybe they say, like, what if they say, who do you think you are? You have to have so much confidence in where, why you want to do this, your ultimate why, that nothing anyone says is going to turn you against it. Um, right now, you are the one who is holding yourself back because you're allowing these thoughts in your mind to become the reason that you're not doing these things. So really, um, and you kind of mentioned this too. So this is, they call this the river of misery in between your unintentional model and your intentional model or, or who you are right now to who you want to be. So in this thought that you have here, let's see if I can do this. The thought is that you want to, to be an expert in your field is, is pretty much what I was saying. So an expert in the field um, and educate your patients. Well, I guess you should say expert in the field because that is gonna be more like a, a, an action. You know, so you, you educate your patients. Because that's pretty much the the that one of the goals that you want is, uh, or the, one of the actions that will come out of this. So um, now the C is the same. So you have this idea for your podcast. 
the thought is, um, I want to be seen as an expert um, in your field. Now, I want to to put that, again, this, it's helpful we had like your exact thoughts, but, and so I, a little bit paraphrasing for you, so I apologize for that. Um, but I think that what you've said is that you've completed a fellowship. Um, do you believe that you're an expert in your field? Right. And so if you have gone through the training and you believe that you're an expert in your field, um, the thought here is, um, the thought that is holding you back is that you don't feel like you're seen as an expert in your field. Is that true? Yeah, and I think there's there's a, a little subtlety there too. So you know you've gone through the training, you know you have good results, um, but and you know that you're an expert in the field, but the thought is you also want to be seen as an expert in your field, meaning that you want it to be obvious to everyone. That's, got it. Okay, so seen as. The main problem with being, uh, wanting other people to see it is that the only thing that we can really control is what we do. Um, but we actually have a ton of control over that. Um, and so let's kind of work through this here too. So you, um, you have this idea for a podcast. You want to be seen as an expert in the field. What do you think that you have to feel? Like if you were, you know, I, I, I will be seen, I'm allowing myself to be seen as an expert in the field. How do you, think that you need to feel. Yeah, accomplished. What are some of the actions that would allow you to feel accomplished? I know that one thing you mentioned was, you know, like educating your patients. Simon Glares. So accomplished, respected. Um, have ideas for patient books, okay. And so it sounds like some of your actions are creating things. So creating, creating books. Why would creating books help you? Yeah, more confidence. And what it means is that you're, you are providing evidence. Yes, an ed education for your patient. You're providing a service to patients. You're actually creating the evidence that you're the expert in the field. What other, what other ways could you, um, what are the actions that could, um, that would come from being seen as an expert in the field? You do more research. Yeah, so this is really great that I'm really glad you said this. So you mentioned I could do more research, but really don't have much time or desire. So 
there's something in your mind that is telling you that this is not the right path. Now, um, why do you think that when you say like, I could do more research, but I don't have the time or desire. So you, you, the, to be seen as an expert in the field, your brain is offering you do more research and you're thinking, no, nah, I don't think so. Why do you think that is? Yeah, you don't really like it. And I think this was really, really helpful. Yeah, I did it because I had to. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's so fascinating because let me, I'll show you something um, that, that occurred to me when I was watching the news today. They had someone, uh, they had Dr. Fauci and someone else, some expert. And then, you know, I've seen these other things like um, there was a, a great presentation on burnout that someone was like saying, this was great. It's like, well, I'm gonna see it, you know? And then it was interesting because there's a little bit of that competitive nature, a little bit of scarcity. Like, why aren't, why aren't I doing this? Like, I'm, I'm doing pretty well for myself, but I'm not doing that. Is there something wrong with me? Like, why did I not go on that path? I wanna be an achiever, I wanna be seen. Um, and it was interesting because that kind of, that was a thought that came up to me. I thought, well, I mean, I know that, I'm a coach for women surgeons. I want to. I want people to get better, and this is a path that I would not have imagined before. So I can be successful by not necessarily following the path that someone else had. Um, it's kind of going back to exactly as it's going back to redefining success. Um, your brain is saying, "I know that my evidence." of being successful and being seen as an expert in a field is doing more research, but I hate research. <laughs> yes, and exactly. It feels like there's one yardstick, research and publications. Um, and this is the key, is that your brain says stop. And if you make yourself do that, you're going to be lousy at research. You're not gonna achieve your goal of being seen as an expert in your field because you don't believe it. You don't want to do it. Your brain is saying that is not the way. Um, and you already have all of these thoughts in your mind of saying, these are the ways to be successful. Being successful is the patient in front of you. Being successful is that person knowing what their surgery is gonna, gonna do to them, what their choices are, how this is gonna affect their life, and why isn't that a yardstick that we use all the time? You know, I have one student, I now have two students at a time, but it was a mind shift for me too. It's like, I was at an academic center, we had like an army of students. I'm like, well, I'm not all that important anymore because I don't have this huge army of students. But what has changed for me is I have one student, now I have two, um, but I, gave that student the best education I could. That patient in clinic, I gave them the best that I had. And do you know what happened? My clinics are full. Instead of one student, I have two. Um, I created the success because I started listening to what I thought success was, um, which is not the yardstick that you're talking about. Don't do stuff you hate just because you think that's gonna get you somewhere. I'm talking a lot, sorry. <laughs> Um, so when you, and so keeping that in mind, your brain is offering you an idea. And this was really interesting. Where did I, I'm not sure where I heard this from. Um, but you know, they, 
someone was, oh, it was an entrepreneur um, podcast I was listening to. And they're saying, you know, like when you come up with a new idea, like a new, new idea, your brain offers lots of stuff. No one's doing that. There's no, I mean, why would you do that? And that means that you're actually on the right track. It means you're doing something new. There's rarely something new in the world. Um, and there are lots of podcasts out there, but there's not your voice out there. There's not what you specifically have to offer. And I think that this is where it goes to really believing this thought. I am an expert in the field and I want to be seen that way. Not only am I, which comes to your self-worth, but the second thing is I want to be seen as an expert in the field. This is your desire to do it. First, you have to be a, you know, know it. And then you have to say, no, no, but I want to do this. You have to want an idea so much that you are willing to accept any outcome. That is how you become successful in an entrepreneur effort. Okay, so yes, I'm terrified I'll procrastinate too long and someone will do my idea and I'll be so mad for not doing it. Um, this happens all the time. This is scarcity. Do you have any idea how many life coaches there are out there? <laughs> how many physician life coaches there are? Um, and then how many surgeon life coaches are? Like, thankfully not a lot right now, but there will be. Um, and that's the problem is that when you have a good idea, um, it other people want to do it too. But what you really have to do, and this is where the thought work comes in, where you have to say, I have something nobody else um, has to offer. Um, oh, I think I actually maybe lost her. Uh, I have something that nobody else um, has to offer. There is someone out there who needs me specifically. And it's very easy. Our patients need us specifically. Um, our patients need us to, uh, to be advocates for them. We are, I mean, they actually chose to come see us. There's lots of different choices. They came to see you. They've already selected you out. So it's really um, searching for the true evidence. And it's also armoring yourself against the people who would tell you otherwise. You know, like, well, who do you think you are? Like that, that chief resident who said like, well, who do you think you are to do this handbook to help people out? You know, that's what my job is for. So I, I didn't realize it, but I kind of threatened his authority. Um, I did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was glad that I did, you know, I've been, I guess I've been still here for a while. All right. I'm going to change your name back again. Um, okay. Oh, well, change it something else. Okay. Now, so, and I think this is important to kind of finish this model here too. So you have this idea, you want to be seen uh, as an expert. You want to feel accomplished. Um, and by feeling accomplished, it's going to allow you to do the actions of these, creating these books, creating a podcast, educating your patients. And what is the result of this, do you think? If you start creating these books and creating the podcast um, and you really start putting yourself out there, what are some of the results you're going to get? Yeah. So it's going to create confidence. You, you yourself are going to create confidence. You don't actually have to start with confidence. You can have to start, you can start with an idea and the unwavering belief in yourself. And we've talked about this a little bit, the difference between confidence and self-confidence. 
Confidence is that I have evidence that I could do this. So you create the confidence that you could do it because you've done it. Self-confidence means that I have this idea and I'm going to do it regardless of what anyone says. They could say that I don't know what I'm doing, going to do it anyway. They could say they don't like how I deliver it, going to do it anyway. They're not my people. The problem is we, we hurt ourselves when we don't know who we're trying to serve. You're serving your patients. You're an expert in your field. You know what your patients want. But you have to be confident enough to know that you're the expert in the field. So that's first believing it. Um, now, but this model will create your confidence. And this is where people go wrong. They feel like they have to start with confidence. You just have to start with an unwavering belief and that safety net of knowing that even if I fail, I'm gonna get up and do it again. What other results do you think would come from creating your books and creating your podcast? Respect, right. And this is the difference. And this is when we worry about what colleagues would say um, and better education, yeah. Better, uh, better ed education for whom? The patients. Yeah, and, but I really like your results that you're coming up with because you don't have to start with confidence. You don't have to start with respect from other people. You may never get this, but you're more likely to do this if you follow this path. Um, but this is the key, and this is why it's helpful to go through these models and spend a lot of time on this because you start to see where some of your blind spots are. Um, and you also start to see that I don't actually have to start off with this. I just have to be, start off with this idea. And then, you know, what my desire is. My desire is to be seen as an expert field. I already believe that I am, but I want to be seen as this way. This is a thought that I have because this is what's going to drive my emotions, which could drive my actions, is my desire to be seen as an expert. Um, and so, uh, and that's where, like, the, some of the actions that you, what are some of the action, I just pose more of the questions. What are more of the actions that you have to do um, to, uh, to create this result that you want of this education, patient education? What are some of the obstacles that you may run into in trying to create this? Do the podcast, the books, the articles. Mm -hmm. What are some of the obstacles you can see? Time scarcity, right? I don't have enough time for it. What would you tell yourself if your brain offers, I don't have time for this? Yeah. Prioritizing it is important. Um, and I think this is really a great um, lesson on time management. There's um, the self-coaching scholars talks about something called Monday hour one. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit too, is that if you want to do something, it has to go on the calendar. It can't be an idea. There's interested and there's committed. And so I think asking yourself, am I committed? Am I committed to doing this? Is this something that I want to do? So if you ask yourself, is this something I want to do? Okay, for sure. Yeah, 
so your your brain is saying like I don't have time for this, but you're like, oh no no, it's this my thought. I want to be seen as an expert. It's important for me to be seen as an expert, and I know that to be seen, I have to I have to produce stuff, and I and to produce stuff, I've got to do it. And this and there there is your pain right there. It's been on my mind for ages, and what happens is. Even, you know, just kind of like where we talk about the, the body registers what our thoughts are. So you're in clinic and you're there with this patient, you know, you could have helped them with this. And all it is, is just a reminder of how you haven't done it. Um, and so if this keeps coming up, um, if your brain keeps offering this to you, I want to do this. I want to do this. It's just a matter of saying, now I'm committed to doing it. I'm ready to do it. I'm feeling, um, uh, I know that I can accomplish it. I want this feeling of accomplishment. That's when you put it on the schedule. What do you feel like your next steps are? Yep, put it on the schedule and tell others, yes. There's, um, and, and that's where I think that you help yourself out is yeah, external accountability is key, right? Why is external accountability key? Yes, because you, you do what you need for others. You want to serve others. But this model here, it, so here's the thing. The, here's the, the trap that um, I think there's nothing wrong with serving others. That's very important. And I think it's important to say like, it's important to me to serve others. Yes, exactly. My personal goal is to serve others is different than saying I serve others because your power shift is different. Um, can you tell the difference? Perfect. The, um, if we're saying these two statements, it is my personal goal to serve patients versus I serve patients. One means I do this for me and I'm accountable for me and I can control this. And the other is I am waiting for someone else to tell me that what I'm doing is okay. I'm waiting for someone else to tell me what they need. And that's, um, I think there's, that's why coaching sometimes helps is because there's a little mind trick there. Yes, external locus of control. Um, and I think that this is where we miss our blind spots. We could do the model, but if we don't pause, put down the exact words, that our brain is offering us, we miss that we're giving our control to somebody else. You know, if we think that we are going to give someone else determining whether we are an expert in the field, if we give it to someone else, that our effort will be determined by what they think, um, we are putting our um, hopes for success. We might be lucky and they'll tell us. And if we do this, we probably will but it's missing the point of that we are actually the ones that determine the success and the failure of this. We are accountable to how we feel about it. Um, and that is helpful because if you do something that's eh, kind of okay and you get this really great 
feedback from it. You're like, but, uh, but I didn't really do that much. I could have done more. Or if we do this a lot of effort and we don't get a lot of feedback, then we're like, well, maybe I did it wrong. And, you know, it's, it's mostly, you know, being the expert in the field. I know what the patients need to hear. I'm going to put it out there because I have all this uh, value that I have to offer that only I can deliver. And then I'm going to get feedback from them and, and change it. Um, but I want to see how it lands with them. But I know that I can create this for them. I know it's a little bit muddled, um, but really it's mostly just recognizing that I can do this. I will get, I'm open to feedback, but I won't be crushed by it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I won't let it discourage me, whether too much um, praise that I don't think I deserve or not enough, I'm going to be independent of the feedback that I'm getting because I know that if I commit to it, I put it on the schedule, I keep myself accountable. Um, I can get help and we can get help for external accountability. That's actually a very important aspect sometimes of getting accountability is saying out there because you're basically committing to yourself by speaking it out loud. It's not necessarily for somebody else. You're saying it out loud, meaning that I'm telling myself I'm committed. Um, I hope that makes any, uh, makes a sense to it. Okay. Perfect. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Um, thanks, RS, uh, saying, you know, great topic and great discussion. I really, I really think this is a fantastic one. It just, it just goes to show you, you can start from anywhere. The main thing is that, you know, we've talked about a lot of these things too, like the locus of control that what you give to people, you know, do you have to start with confidence or respect? Um, you know, this is a great starting point for a lot of things. And I'm, I'm really glad that, uh, that y'all got something out of it. We have about two minutes. Um, does anyone have any um, comments or any thoughts? I wanted to take this time to say that I really appreciate all of you folks coming in. You know, the coaching is putting yourself out there, which takes a lot of guts. And, um, but it's really where you reach next level stuff. When you start to really put yourself out there, when you start to say, I'm gonna show, I'm gonna be an open book. I, I'm willing to accept whatever criticism because I know who I am. Um, these are the things that make us incredibly powerful. And so you, you all have really taken first steps um, to making yourself really powerful um, individuals. And it's a real privilege to help you all out. Okay, with about a minute left, I just wanna thank Snowstorm for this. This was a fantastic topic and I appreciate everyone coming in and piping up and we will look forward to talking to you guys next time. Have a good one.